You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into episode 129 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. Just another day at the office for the Boston Bruins. 10-1, and one, very, very impressive victory over the Rangers at Madison Square Garden against one of the top goaltenders in the league, one of the better teams in the league. Um, just an all-around really strong, once again, team effort. A little lapse in the second period, but that happens over 60 minutes. Um, this game kind of had everything. Yeah, it did. And through two periods was obviously a, a very close, evenly fought game. It was 1-1 going into the third. Um, at one point literally uh, an evenly fought game with AJ Greer and Trent Frederick both dropping the gloves at once. Um, and uh, Greer spending about half the game in the penalty box as a result <laughs> of his instigator penalty. Um, and then when he came out, he almost got another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, then the Bruins take over in the third uh, or I should say eventually take over in the third because they make it uh, two to one on a coiled goal early in the third, but then the Rangers come right back. Adam Fox scores on on an absolute snipe that Matt Grizzlick probably should have done more to try to block, but instead kind of got out of the way to try to give Olmark a clear view. Um, but then the bottom six strikes again with Felino setting up Trent Frederick. Jake DeBrusque scores, and then Hampus Lindholm with the empty netter. So the Bruins really kind of took control in the third period and outshot the Rangers 17 to four in the third. And like, that's just, that's the mark of a, of a really good team is you're going up against another good team and you just outlast them and take over when it matters most in the final period. Yeah. And it was kind of like you thought maybe for most teams, I didn't think this with the Bruins, but like for a lot of teams you score to go ahead and then the other team scores back 48 seconds later and ties it again. You're like, okay, well then you just lost the momentum, but that's just not what happened. The, the Bruins scored. Um, what is, was it three consecutive after that? So um, it wasn't a problem for them. I thought the physicality was, you know, they were, they were physical in the right situations. I thought the bottom six played really well. Trent Frederick had one of his better games, um, obviously with the fight and then being able to score, um, and some other plays besides that as well, but that's, you know, what, what people are going to remember or see on the, on the score sheet from him, Charlie Coyle, once again, four games in a row with a goal. I, and he drew a, a penalty as well. And I thought he was actually going to score on that. Cause it looked just like the setup he had when he scored, uh, I think two games ago in Boston. And like, he came across the net, went to make a move and take the shot, but ended up drawing a penalty on it. So, and DeBrusque drawing another penalty. So Obviously, full team effort again, uh, and saw things that I liked from most players, but it's nice to see Felino and Frederick being some of the ones that we get to 
commend and compliment. And on the broadcast, Kevin Weeks gave Nick Foligno his first star of the game. He had two assists and he played outstanding. Um, it's kind of like a full turnaround from last season. You can see it. And he's he's doing everything he can and he's been very successful so far. Well, I feel so so good for Nick Felino because I was one of about everybody who criticized him last year and justifiably so because us as fans and viewers and spectators, we only know so much. We can only go off of what we see. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what a guy's battling injury wise or off the ice. And so sometimes it can, it can, you know, it, it make you harsh, but again, we can only go off of what we see on television. And obviously last year, like, as a fan base, everybody was down on Nick Foligno and it, we weren't wrong in being so because the Bruins themselves exposed him to waivers no longer than a month ago. Um, and for him to not get claimed, show the mental strength um, to, you know, um, weather that those, those emotions of being waived um, and to let his actions speak louder than his words. And his words were very, encouraging and and he had a lot of self-confidence going into the season that he, he was going to bounce back but it's one thing to say it's another thing to do it and tonight's just the latest example i mean he has been playing with so much confidence and um you know piss and vinegar and speed all season and the rangers game i think was the best example of it he's making plays he's making you know toe drag moves in one-on-one situations and he's succeeding at them. Like it, you know, it just reminds you like, yeah, it wasn't that long ago where he was a 20 goal scorer in this league and a captain for an NHL team. It's just that his tenure in Toronto was short lived and injury riddled and, you know, Boston, he had issues last year, but he's bounced back in a big way. And this isn't, he's not playing like a, even like a good fourth liner. He's playing like a, like a really strong, like, you know, third liner right now. He's making plays happen. And, it's almost like the Bruins didn't just gain David Krejci this offseason. They almost gained Nick Foligno, even though he was on the team last year. It's just Nick Foligno that we were accustomed to for a decade. And another thing that's jumped out to me, guys, and I'll throw it to you for your your input on this, is that the more I watch the Bruins and the more I hear the broadcast talk about how the Bruins didn't change much about the defensive structure that was already in place, it's almost like Bruce Cassidy's still on the coaching staff, even though he's not because his, his his defensive structure is what they're using. And so they kept that in place. And then they just brought in Jim Montgomery and he has proven that, yeah, some like there can be offensive uh, systemic changes that can make the same players play a lot faster. I remember last year being like, it doesn't matter what systems they play. The players on this, like a lot of the players don't have the foot speed, but here I stand corrected. So they are playing with a much, much quicker pace yeah and i thought i thought another thing that was said trying to remember if it was during the broadcast or it might have been pre-game on espn but someone mentioned that they had talked to montgomery today and you know talked about like tightening up the defense and he he said something along the lines of like in the preseason he wanted guys to like really play free like take chances get up in the rush and he'd like basically just set them loose to like see what guys could do and wanted to like start with that and then rein it in. And I think maybe some of that carried over to the regular season where we saw 
early on where, you know, they were probably taking too many chances and getting exposed uh, a little bit at times, especially that, uh, that disastrous Ottawa game, still their only loss. Um, but you've definitely seen it recently where they've really tightened up. I mean, they kept the Rangers to four shots on goal in two of the, or five shots on goal in two of the three periods, five shots in the first period, four in the third. Um, you know, I thought overall this was one, even, you know, the, even though they gave two goals, one of their best defensive efforts, team defensive efforts of the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely gotten better and that, you know, there's probably still some room for improvement, but you're, you're right. Like in terms of how they play in zone, it is basically the same thing that they did under Cassidy. Like they, they didn't really change that. And I think now it's like coming back to guys where it's like, okay, like we can still play this way in our own zone and also be a little more aggressive offensively and score more. Like I think that like that is starting to set in that they can do both. Like, yeah, there's always going to be some give and take, but they don't have to completely sacrifice like that defensive structure uh, in order to score more. So I think, you know, you're starting to see more balance and that's, like that should be like a pretty scary thought for other teams that, you know, that the Bruins might be able to, to do both. And so I have, a, I have a few thoughts on Felino and, and the bottom six, uh, just starting with Felino, almost not getting a chance to prove himself. Like we, we weren't sure he was ever going to get to chance to the chance to prove himself again as a Bruin, because when he got waived, no one knew. I mean, no, no one knows where he's going to go. He ends up landing back in Boston. And so he's able to really put his money where his mouth is and, and show people what he was trying to tell us. Um, and luckily for him, he got the chance and luckily for the Bruins, they gave him the chance. Um, you know, we've had some harsh takes on him. We were saying he wasn't one of the, he wasn't, you know, one of the top best people to make the lineup we thought maybe McLaughlin had outplayed him or you know Stanika or some of the younger players um that it might push him out of the lineup and he's been able to make the most of it so good for him um and with that bottom six they have that old identity of a Bruins bottom six they have guys on it that are physical not afraid to drop the gloves obviously we get this weird double flight that happens that um like Right before that, I was I was watching the game with my dad. Right before that, he's like, "You never see any fights anymore." You know, everybody's got that dad or uncle or whoever's like, "Oh, you know, hockey is not the same. There's no fights." And then like two seconds later, there's a double fight, and I'm like, "There you go, dad. There you go. That's what you wanted." Um, but so Greer and Frederick, two guys that are on the third line, um, and you know they they get into fights simultaneously, and they both, in my opinion, they both won their fights. Um, and, you know, they got some decent shots and those were, and those were two really good fights, honestly, both ways. But, um, that's beside the point. Uh, also you look at the fourth line and Felino and Lauco could do that for you as well. Um, and they've provided scoring and offense and assists the last few games. And, and so it's just kind of that identity you want in a bottom six, if you're used to watching Bruins hockey. And my final thought on Felino is just that he obviously used to be a captain and he feels to me like the captain of the bottom six, whereas like uh, Bergeron's the captain of the the top six and those two different identities, like the skilled half and then the more physical grinding half. It's like in high school when I was captain of the JV cross country team. <laughs> you, were, you were in cross country? Oh my oh, God, yeah. you have pictures? Come on, Scott, will you stop? Uh, 
Bridget, that's a, pictures. Uh, Bridget, that's, that's a, joke. a that's a really uh that's a really eloquent way to put that actually i really like that it, it is that is that is exactly what it seems like he is the the captain of that bottom six um and you know if he keeps playing like this i could easily you know see him and greer like switching roles and because felino looked good with frederick and coil obviously in the game winning goal and but whether whether it's greer or felino on that third line I just Scott mentioned something. I believe it was last podcast, but it was along the lines of the Bruins ideally want that their line to kind of be like bigger bodied and to be able to wear wear on teams down low and in front of the net. And I agree with that. And watching how effective the bottom six has been through no real fault of his own kind of through injury, but also through some offensive struggles the last dating back to last year. It's almost like, I don't, you know, Craig Smith doesn't really fit that mold. Um, and, and, and the top six is, is log jammed and that's without David Krejci. And it's interesting because it's the same backstory. Every time we talk guys this year, every good thing the Bruins do every strong game that they play we can't say it every episode, but the reality is it's true. Like they're doing it with the hope McAvoy and Krejci. And like, so anyway, I, I digress, but like, yeah, do you, do you, Scott, do you feel like Craig Smith is somewhat losing a natural position on this team? Um, it, you know, it's really interesting because clearly they can play well and have a good bottom six without him. I still think if he, if he's on his game, he brings, more offensive pop than probably anyone else in that group, maybe with the exception of Coyle. Um, and I still think that could have value. Like if Craig Smith plays the way Craig Smith is capable of playing, he's a, he brings a lot of value to that third line. And I think could really help that line score more consistently than, you know, if you keep it to some sort of rotation of Frederick Greer Felino. I, I would be a little more concerned like if one or two of those guys goes cold for a long stretch of time, you know, now you're like, uh, geez, they need to go add someone to the third line. Like wonder what Craig Smith's up to in his new home. Um, yeah, but remember the Zaka is about to go back to the third line at some point. True. Yeah. That's also true. Good point. Um, so, and, and so, I yeah, also I mean, feel it's, un- it's unfortunate for Smith the point where he finally scored and then gets injured right after. And you see this happen where guys like they, they kind of lose their chance while they have no way to defend it. Yeah. And, and, and even before getting hurt, Smith was up and down the lineup in and out. So, you know, definitely it, but it, it did look like he was starting to turn the corner just before this most recent injury. Um, he had played well for a few games in a row, but yeah, and then there's the other factor of, you know, at some point they're they are gonna have to clear salary. You know, I know later we're gonna get into the floorboard injury and what that might mean for all this when it comes to long term injury reserve and salary and all that, but um, you know, eventually they're gonna have to do something. And it's Smith, if he doesn't, you know, force his way into a regular third line job, I definitely think is kind of kind of one of the guys who could be at risk. It's really him and him and Riley look like the most obvious candidates because as we, you know, before the season, Felino was one of the most obvious ones. That's part of the reason why he got waived. 
And now that very much looks like it's not the case for all the reasons we just discussed. Like I, you know, you can easily sit here and say Felina's still overpaid at $3.8 million as a fourth liner. True. But I can't see them getting rid of him at this point. Not, not the way he's playing. Not what he means to this team. Not with the leadership that Bridget talked about. And it's not Nosek. It's not, it can't be Nosek. He doesn't make enough money. He doesn't make enough money. And he's like, I mean, I guess you can move like McLaughlin to center, but right now he's the guy you want playing center on that fourth line. So it feels like he's out of the question. Probably Felino's out of the question. So um, let's just, before we move on from Smith, um, Scott, what's the latest update on his timetable? Uh, so him and Krejci are both day to day. And Montgomery said earlier Thursday that uh, both are possibilities for Saturday in Toronto. So they're both very close. If, if they're not back Saturday, I would expect to see them, you know, next week. Yeah. So, it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see sooner than later um, how, how the, how health coming back into the lineup affects the bottom six, which no matter what the combinations have been this year, it, it, they've, they've played well. 